Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello, friend. So grateful to have you for another episode. If you take the time to rate when you're all said and done and comment, that'd be very cool. If you want to reach out to us, it's Murdoch Podcast or Murdoch Podcast on Facebook or Matt Harris Podcast at gmail.com. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker here as well. And Seton, we took a trip to Hampton, South Carolina. Explain what we were doing. So we went to Hampton to go to a press conference in relation to a new charity called Gloria's Gifts that is being set up to help local community members uh, who are struggling. And it was just a great event that really focused on the positive. Yeah, I think one of the, there's, there's a couple of themes throughout and you'll hear some audio from this as well, but out of great evil has come good was one of the big themes. And the other was, and you'll see by the title of this episode that Gloria was more than a housekeeper. It was about putting uh, a whole person to the name Gloria Satterfield, because up until now, you've heard bits and pieces. You haven't heard much from the family, and understandably. And so this was a little bit of a combination of a celebration of her life and of how to take something bad that happened and uh, turn it into good. Yeah, and really put a face to Gloria Satterfield. So it just was really impactful to me to hear from her family. So we, uh, of course, were there and the town was all excited about the watermelon festival that is coming up it's a, a week-long festival june 20th to 25th that occurs every year in hampton and watermelons were everywhere representing like store windows and clothes and decorations and it's a kind of uh, interesting that this took place as they're about to kick off their their celebration in Hampton. You couldn't buy a t-shirt. The t-shirts were sold out everywhere. I should point out before we move on to the audio from the event is that, you know, we were in Hampton. Seton's got a little vacation. Her sister's there who helped us a lot at this uh, event as well. Uh, and so if you, we sound a little different because we're not in studio for this uh, episode. We are doing this via Zoom and we recorded the audio that you hear from the event on uh, an iPad. So, Let's start with one of the attorneys, and uh, that is Ronnie Richter. Uh, explain his involvement, Seton. He is co-counsel with Eric Lynn. We don't hear as much from him, but he really, I thought, did a great job, and it was it was good to hear from him. This is Ronnie Richter. Um, here's what I know about Gloria. She was generous to a fault. She didn't want for earthly wealth. Um, she lived without envy. She loved her family dearly, and she never met a stranger. Uh, if you were in a spot where you had one last call to make, uh, you'd call Gloria. And Gloria came from the just shut up and work generation. I think we could use a few more Gloria's about right now. Uh, today is exciting and important for the Satterfield and Harriet families because today is about redefining Gloria's legacy. Uh, Gloria will not be remembered as a victim who fell down a flight of steps. So really what I took from this was her work ethic. We heard this again and again throughout the day that 
that she really had this strong work ethic and also kind of redefining who she was, that not a victim, but let's just remember her as a person and not tied up in the whole Murdoch mess. Next, we want to get to a very emotional uh, speaker, and uh, that was Ginger. Talk about Ginger, uh, Seton, and, and what she brought. This is Gloria's sister, and to me, she just really brought home who Gloria was as a person. She was very emotional at the beginning, but got through it and told what she was like as a family member, as a sister, but then also read some quotes from some of her friends that described what she was like as a person. I should also mention when you hear Ginger get emotional, uh, Ronnie Richter and Eric Bland come up and they're flanking her, they're, her rocks, her pillars as she uh, gets through the very emotional speech, so have a listen. I don't know if I can do this. Yes, you can. They said they wouldn't have my back. Mm-hmm. We got my back, so we got to have a speech prepared. And I hope that I can get through it. You will. Um, so, y'all, just be fair. Okay? All right. First and foremost, thank God for everything. All the blessings that he would not be able to have. And glory. This state is about Gloria. The good, the Gloria was, the person she was, the great person she was. And we want everyone to know on behalf of her family, on behalf of my sister Gloria and our family, I am proud to join them in announcing a nonprofit foundation to honor Gloria Harriet Satterfield. Most of you don't know the struggle Gloria faced during her life. And the hard work she endured not only to provide for her boys and herself. She had a full, pure heart of kindness and love for everyone she met. She was so much more than just a housekeeper for her. As she has been portrayed in the news, she was grounded by her Christian faith, which called upon her to live in the service of others. While we mourn her still today, of course you can see, we will honor her with this foundation to help others and cement her legacy as a person whose enduring faith inspired her to love and help others. A giving heart is a loving heart, and it's time we all focus on healing and sharing love. Our family has shed so many tears this past year. And to be certain, we have been betrayed, let down, and very saddened. After having fought the good fight for justice, we choose now to shift on the focus to making sure that Gloria's lasting legacy will not be that of a victim, but will indeed that be of a champion of love and charity. As we stand here today, we envision Gloria smiling down on us as we form Gloria's gift foundation in her memory of love and kindness. I will now share with you a few words that people share with me about their memories of Gloria. Gloria came from a large family. They filled nearly two pews with their family alone. They were a simple family with strong spiritual roots and were taught the meaning of dedication, loyalty, commitment, and responsibility. She was humble, and she was a Southern lady filled with gratitude and grace. 
She enjoyed talking to others and would always end with a hug and a smile. I remember her soft tone of voice filled with care and genuine concern for everyone. I will miss running into her and catching up and of course those special hugs. Gloria's legacy will continue through her family. I could talk about Gloria all day. She was my best friend. She was honest, she was kind, she was caring, and a true friend. She was a hard worker and always saw the good in everyone. Gloria was a person of her word. If she told you she was going to do something, she did it. Gloria struggled, struggled excuse me, because, but always kept going. It would either, I would either call her up or she would call me up and we'd say both. Let's go somewhere. <laughs> she would say, well, I don't have the money. Or I would say, I don't have the money. But that didn't stop us. Because whoever had the money at the time would pay for both of us. <laughs> we were always there for each other through thick and thin. I miss her dearly and will never have another friend as loving and giving as Gloria. A true sister and a true friend always. Gloria loved the Lord with all her heart, mind, body, and spirit. Gloria also loved Christmas. I think she loved Christmas because she recognized that love itself is a gift. And we want one another to give to one another. Unlike any other time of the year, at Christmas, we acknowledge one another, we acknowledge one another and tell each other, I love you, through the simple act of offering a gift. Christmas is hard time for many families. And too many families long to share the expression of love with one another by exchanging gifts. But they just can't afford to do that. We can't think of a better way to honor and remember Gloria than through the establishment of Gloria's gift. Through Gloria's gift, we hope to help many families in Hampton County each year who could not otherwise afford to buy their loved ones a special gift or provide a, a meal for the table. We know that with each offering of Gloria's gift, Gloria will feel, you will feel Gloria's love. We hope and trust that Gloria's lasting legacy will not be the, of a victim, but will be a champion of love and charity. Please join me and us and everyone in making a positive difference for so many who struggle as Gloria did. Our family and attorneys have pledged to donate to this foundation as we begin working together towards the mission of helping those hardworking individuals and worthy families who are in need. We are so excited about launching this foundation. It will enable Gloria's name to be spoken in more positive contexts going forward. We all believe things happen for a reason. It is simply God's plan. No person whose name continues to be spoken ever truly dies. We will continue to speak Gloria's name through Gloria's gift. We hope you all will speak her name with us. Okay, I was really impacted when she said that Gloria was more than just a housekeeper. Mm -hmm. And that's all we have known about her. I mean, up until this point. And that, what she just said, really gave a face to a victim. The next audio we're going to play for you is from Michael DeWitt, writer and town historian. And uh, his stuff's great. If you get a chance to read it, he writes for various uh, newspapers. This was 
a speech that brought the crowd to its feet. Yep, several, at least three standing ovations. And we heard from other family members and other journalists, but I mean, he, he just being a local community member really brought it home. We had a great conversation with him uh, after the event. And so you can Google him and find out all the great uh, stuff that he does. But here's uh, his speech. Checks in the mail, <laughs> The eyes of the world are on small town. I wrote those words a while back, and they're certainly true today. But you have been watching Hampton County for the wrong reason. One of our own took advantage of people who trusted him. He stole from the weak, the injured, even the dead. But today, Thanks to courageous and passionate journalists, brave victims, hardworking, I have never seen such passionate attorneys in, in my career, hardworking attorneys. Today, Alex Murdoch is finding his power stripped away in court. Today, we are here to claim something even more powerful, glorious Satterfield's legacy. Now, I hope you all realize the full magnitude of what we're doing here. This is not a press conference. Don't let the camera school you. This is not just some charity. This is the turning point in a story that will be our history, South Carolina's history, Hampton County's history, your history. <clears throat> you just got me a little emotional now. <laughs> As of today, this is no longer Alex Murdoch's story. This is Gloria Satterfield's story. This is Gloria Satterfield's story, as of today, okay? This is Mallory Beach's story. This is Sandy Smith's story. This is Hakeem Pinckney's story, okay? From here on out, it's all about the victims and justice. Alex Murdoch was Act 1. We're in Act 2 now, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Arthur Badger, too. Arthur Badger. J.J. Jakes. We have too many victims to name, and that is a shame. That is an absolute shame. I had to use an Excel spreadsheet to track how many victims we have so far. During a recent interview, Eric Bland said that his clients had almost received a full cup of justice. And what did they do when that cup got full and started running over? They shared it with their neighbors, people in need in Hampton County. That is a class act. When I heard about this, that warmed my heart so much. Uh, this announcement of Gloria's gift to the community, these victims have transformed an act of evil into something wonderful. They've rewritten the narrative, rewritten the story, and claimed the ending. These victims are getting the final say, the last word, and the last word is love. I'm not speaking so much today as a member of the media. I'm speaking to you as someone who grew up in Hampton County. Small town, I'd like to say this is this is all we have, right? Hampton County has been in a dark place for a long time. We've had a lot of bad news, both locally, both this national crime saga, and we needed some good news. We needed something to raise us from the ashes of crime and deceit and negativity. We truly needed this today, and we need more of it. 
<clears throat> Let's open pray that all the victims out there will one day soon find their cup of justice and write the endings to own, their own stories to where, like the Satterfields, they are no longer victims, they are heroes in their own story. <clears throat> the eyes of the world are on Hampton County. Well, world, you've seen us at our worst. You've seen our secrets and our sins that walk among us. Now today, I hope you see us at our absolute best. Do you remember anything about Hampton County? Please remember us at this moment. This is the best of small town America. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Soon, needy Hampton County will find Christmas joy because of Gloria's gift. A worried mother will know relief on Christmas morning, thanks to Gloria's legacy. A child will smile on Christmas morning, all because of one Hampton County family. Gloria Satterfield, as editor of your hometown paper, your chief storyteller, your modern-day historian, I guess, I hereby claim you Hampton County's official saint, patron saint of Christmas. <laughs> as was said earlier, as long as your name is spoken, you will never be forgotten. And I assure you, Mr. Satterfield, you will never be forgotten. To the Satterfield and Harriet families, on behalf of struggling, hardworking people who know what's like and never get ahead, and that's so true, I don't even go into detail. Thank you all so much. We love you, and we're proud of you. Michael DeWitt just nailed it. Shows you what an amazing writer is. If you get a chance, read his stuff. Uh, also, he referred to Gloria Satterfield as what, uh, Seton? The patron saint of Christmas. And I mean, obviously, Michael has such a passion for his community. And his community has some struggles. There are people who uh, don't have enough money to put food on their table during the holiday season. And this is meant to help them. So right now, the Gloria's Gifts Facebook page is not completed. We will put that up on our Murdoch Podcast Facebook page the minute that happens. But there is a way to still reach out. Right. There's a post office box that is taking donations. And you can send them. We'll, we'll also link this to this podcast and our Facebook page so that you are able to send in a donation if you should feel so called. Um, the family did a big donation. They donated $55,000 of their money to kick off this foundation. And uh, Bland and Richter also kicked, gave $20,000 uh, to the foundation. And when asked at the end, they said that they hope to serve 10 to 20 families a year during the holiday season to help out with expenses related to the holiday season. And I... Uh, asked a question in the Q&A section uh, about what they needed for the charity. Do you have uh, any goals set for the organization and 
Are you looking for volunteers as well as monetary money? Ginger is going to be the head, and she is absolutely looking for volunteers. Yes, very much so. Um, and we want this foundation to be an open book. We're not going to try to hide, deceive anyone about anything. So we want to, um, of course, anyone that's willing and wanting to donate their time, um, we would greatly appreciate it. Let's go revisit, go back to some of the speakers uh, from the afternoon in Hampton. One of those was Justin Bamberg, who is an attorney for some of the victims of Alec Murdoch. He is a member of the South Carolina House of Representatives from the 90th District, which includes Bamberg County and parts of Barnwell and Collinson counties. And he grew up in that area, so he was able to relate to the families that were there, the families that were in the audience, and the people from the town. And here's what Justin had to say. And uh, I am happy to support the organization. Um, I'll be making a donation uh, myself to the organization as well. <laughs> and to everybody watching, the fact that a family could go through what they went through and at the end of the day, not be selfish and not just think about them, but to think about everybody else and trying to help everybody else. That's what people need to know about the people who live here. That's what people need to know about Hampton County. That's what people need to know about this family. And I encourage and I'm asking everybody to support, support the organization, support this family, support their legal team, Support the community, because like we used to say growing up, at the end of the day, we all we got. <laughs> and if you grew up in Bamberg and, and Hampton, you know that, we all we got. <laughs> so if we don't stick together and we don't have each other's back, uh, I mean, that's the way that we're gonna make it through it. That's how the families made it through it. Uh, so God bless y'all, God bless. Justin Bamberg really understands what it's like to grow up and live in this area. And he also represents the people of this area. So he gets it. And when he said, we're all we got, he lives it and he understands it. Next, we're going to pull some audio from J.J. Jinks, who was one of the victims of Alec Murdoch's dirty schemes and also just got elected to Hampton County Council at large. And that was just on the 14th of June. Here is J.J. Jinks. I can remember my dad telling me one thing, and it was, a man is only great as the legacy he leaves. So I want to say that I'm very honored to be a part of putting a stamp on the Gloria Satterfields Foundation on behalf of this family I'm speaking. They didn't ask me to speak, I was asked by Mr. Brown. <laughs> But I have a relationship with a few of the family members. Yeah. Miss Ginger, Mr. Harriet, my potato chip and dedicate me. <laughs> it is an honor to put a stamp on this. Put my name on the stamp that's putting concrete on the foundation for Miss Gloria Satterfield. Thank you guys for electing me and I Promise you, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, my biggest takeaway from Mr. Jinx, obviously he is 
a really magnetic person. I mean, he just had a lot of energy and I think everyone in the room could feel this, but also how small this community is and how everyone knows each other and supports each other. I saw him throughout the course of the afternoon too. And just, he's one of those guys that makes everybody laugh. It was uh, just really cool to see that, like you said, the good and warmth that came out of a terrible situation, especially when you add to the fact that it was just recently that the family has had to come to grips with the fact that uh, Gloria Satterfield's body will be exhumed. There will be an investigation into what happened with Gloria's uh, fall. And that's got to be stressful for the family. Listen to what Bland had to say about how difficult this will be for the family. So it's family sense and kind of what they're looking to do with that. You know, it started in the fall. Um, Sled came to us and, and asked would the family object if the body was going to be exhumed because early on Chief Keel said that in addition to the investigation surrounding the finances with Gloria's settlement, they're looking into how did she die. Um, this family wants to know every stone turn, they want to know everything that happened. Do they believe that she was intentionally killed? The answer is absolutely no. Do they believe that, that, that Alex used this as an opportunity to enrich himself, that her, how she felt? The answer is absolutely yes. And so they have all been about justice and following. So we did not object to it. They would, if we did object to it, the sled would have gone to court and the court based on probable cause most likely would have granted it. The state has promised us that they're going to do it in a most respectful fashion. Can you imagine taking up the remains of somebody that's been buried for four years? You don't know the condition of the coffin. God forbid, what about the remains? So they're going to do it in the most delicate, respectful fashion. And then, it, you know, after they're done, she has to be reburied. So this family is going to go through it again. That same sorrow, that same tragedy, um, to go through it again. So. The family does want answers, and wherever those answers go, they're willing to go there. I can't imagine what this would be like for a family to have to have their loved one exhumed and go through the trauma all over again for them. I mean, that's just a terrible thing. But I'm, I know that they want answers into the investigation of what actually happened. Um, so I did speak this week with a forensic pathologist uh, who graduated from MUSC and just had a few questions for, for him. Because a big question in everyone's mind was why was no autopsy ever conducted? And he did say with a head trauma, it is typically it should have been reported to the coroner. In this case, the coroner says that it was not reported to her. And the coroner would typically hire MUSC to conduct an autopsy. And that did not happen in this case. So there's questions on that. And another couple of things that he said, he basically said it's too early to tell what you could find, um, that anything would just kind of be speculation at this point, because there are a lot of factors that go into how much information can be gained when a body is exhumed. He mentioned embalming. There's different standards of embalming. So sometimes things are really well preserved and other times it might not be. So you have to see how well the body was embalmed. Um, also things like the water table, they you that would affect whether you know, water invaded the coffin and what would happen with that. Uh, weather conditions is another thing that he brought up. So he basically said, it's too early to tell at this time. I'd really like to have an expert come on our podcast and go 
into more detail about this. Yes, I'm still confused about what they are thinking they're going to find or because they have to have lots and lots of hospital reports, I would imagine. Are they looking to see if there was some other medical event that caused her fall or are they looking into something that is more nefarious? And we did get a really good listener message this week about a similar case. Do you want to read it? Yeah, the listener brought up the documentary and the scripted series called The Staircase, which I've watched a lot of. Uh, And she says, hello, Matt and Seton. I was wondering if you're familiar with a case involving Michael Peterson. There's currently a documentary and a scripted series, both called The Staircase, which look at the death of his wife and of a neighbor, both of whom fell to their deaths down staircases in their own homes. In both cases, Michael was the last person to see the woman alive, the women alive. I can't help but see similarities between this and the death of Gloria Satterfield. In fact, investigators exhumed Peterson's neighbor, Elizabeth Ratliff, 17 years after her death to confirm she died of cerebral hemorrhage, which is what had been attributed to her death and the cause of her fall. The medical examiner was able to determine after 17 years that the case of her death was in fact homicide and not a cerebral hemorrhage. She suffered blows to the head, which caused lacerations, but no skull fractures, just like Kathleen Peterson had. Both women died as a result of blunt force trauma. This made Gloria's proposed exhumation make a lot more sense for me. I had wondered what investigators could possibly determine after four years, but based on this, I believe they'd be able to learn quite a bit. Thank you for that message, Meredith. That's really interesting. That just, that happened just in North Carolina. So, and I did watch that special. I I couldn't turn away. So it does give you hope that maybe they can find answers when Gloria's body is examined. Okay. So before we wrap, we should also mention that you heard just some of the speakers on our podcast and parts of some of the speakers. You can see the entire wonderful uh, press conference and day that went down in Hampton. Uh, where's, where did you say you they could find the entirety? Uh, believe you can find it on Bland and Richter's website. Also, uh, when the event was over, we got some lunch and I had a margarita at the Azua El Sabor uh, in Hampton. And someone heard our voices as another table, and uh, we were amazed by that. But Victoria and her family, so they love the uh, podcast, and we wanted to give them a shout. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought that was, you know, interesting that actually a person in Hampton was listening to us. And we really just appreciated the hospitality of everyone in Hampton. We hit up the frock shop. And uh, if you have the opportunity, it's a really cute town. One more time, Seton, tell them about uh, Gloria's Charity. So it is Gloria's Gifts, and we will post a link to the website when they get that up and running. And uh, also, we will put the post office box that you can send donations in on our Facebook page, which is Murdoch Podcast. And we will uh, talk soon. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. 
From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule, history so interesting, it's criminal.